record and that's joe idoni this is the preferred lines podcast welcome back welcome back 2021 hopefully a clean and easy season nothing to you know get us interrupted there for a minute yeah. we're full on into it hey it didn't matter to us because we weren't even a podcast last uh, march so uh we didn't care that there was quarantine we came together during quarantine if you're new here you will find us every monday night live on the internet joe idoni and i you can find him on twitter tour picks you already know him and i'm Dino real chi and we talk the betting board each monday night live on the internet in our home studios our garages uh a new season the same stuff though what up, Chad? I missed you, buddy. I missed uh, talking golf, so it's good to be back. Cheers. Cheers, my friend. I missed you, too. It was crazy. Um, I did see you. Uh, we got together for a draft, so if you're looking for something to, you know, content about the people got together that are on the internet that are friends of ours, and we all drafted a team. There's five picks each, ten or um, what is it, ten guys. It's fun. So I saw you then. Yeah, 10 guys, five players each had the number one pick in the draft. So that was exciting. Uh, I took Justin Spoiler. Thomas. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Shocking. All right. Um, new season. And like I said, same old, same old, but not really. We've got some housekeeping items and quickly, first and foremost, Jock Market. That's our friend, oh. our friend of the program. You tell us about your new relationship. You've started another podcast, Joe. Oh yeah. Goodness. So, um, or is it I a show? Starting this Wednesday, we are going to be doing a live show with myself and Rick Gaiman. Cool. Um, we are going to be covering like the last 45 minutes of the IPO closing hours. So if you're new and you don't know what jock market is and you've been living under a rock, it is the future. So basically, fantasy sports meets stock market. Your athletes are assets. And you buy and sell players in real time as the event goes on. But the peak sort of excitement level is that IPO closing hour because shit just gets haywire. Like dudes are going up in price, flying up the boards. Guys are flying down. You find values. So we're going to try and capitalize on a little bit of that excitement and electricity on Wednesday nights uh, around 8.15 Eastern time. And we're going to do that for an hour. So Ooh. it's exciting. And they are our presenting sponsor of this show as well. So Big jock market guys over here. Now we have our own code, but you've got a kind of a cool code. Tell us about your code or what's your, what's the code yes. to get some So money. basically just for this week only, just to kind of promote the launch of the show, you can use the name of the show is the power hour. So the code is power 10. Um, you can check my old tweets and get that, but you will get initially 10 bucks and then they will give credit you another 10 bucks. So it's basically 20 free dollars on your first deposit. Um, we have the code as well, which is PL10. Use whatever one you want. It helps us out. It, it, we appreciate it. Um, and they're good people over there. And we see big things in the future for them. So we're excited for 2021. Exactly. I'm excited to watch that thing. I'm excited to get in there and uh, chat along with you. Because you can chat with uh, Rick Rungood's YouTube oh, yeah. channel. You can chat along with them. It'll be fun. You can do that with our YouTube channel too. If you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe. You do those things and it helps us out. Um, in 2021, our plan is pretty much the same as it was in 2020. We're going to bring on a guest each week that's more connected, more equipped to handle most weeks, things. Most weeks. Most week. um, 
we, you know, we've asked some people, we've got some guests lined up and including one for the Sony open next week. They're going to help us make decisions. That's called the front nine segment. We're not going to do that today. This is a smaller field and we wanted to talk about jock market. We've got some stuff at the back end of the pod that we're going to kind of help you with some betting advice and futures betting and random betting conversations about golf. So just stay tuned for that at the end. So we're going to plan though in 2021 to have a guest on and they're in, we're going to talk to them, quiz them, get their brain, everything that they know inside of their brain. And then we're going to go to the betting board and we're going to talk through it. Now, <clears throat> betting is supposed to be fun. It's meant as entertainment. So if you're listening to this or you're watching us and you are attempting to use golf betting as a way to make a living or to <laughs> save for your college daughter's college tuition, uh, I'd recommend just not listening to our podcast. Please stop and calling 1-800-GAMBLER because this is golf people. So good luck. Okay. Joe, shall we crack open the betting board for the tournament century, century tournament of champions? Let's do it. Crack open the 2021 PGA tour season. Cheers fam. Oh, I love it. I mean, it's, it's a juicy field and it's a bigger field that we're used to, but it's still not a main event a cut event. It still doesn't have everybody here, blah, blah, blah. But we've got a juicy field. And at the tippity tip top of this board is Dustin Johnson. He's five and a half to one. Whoa. And in fact, there are five names under 10 to one. It includes your guy, JT at six to one, John Rahm, seven and a half, Bryson at nine and Xander at 10. Xander to win at 10 to one. Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Are we tiptoeing to the top of the board? Or are we running away from it? I don't, I haven't done either yet. So I'm not totally, I haven't anything at this point. Obviously it's Monday. We still have a long way to go, but um, I have some interest, but I have not planted my flag anywhere. Interesting. Like Xander kind of being 10 to one coming off COVID said he was a little fatigued threw a wrench in his practice schedule a little bit, but you know, I I texted you this earlier and like before this event, and I feel like every week I want to bet Xander and I always just feel like he comes in four, six, eight points lower than what I wanted him to be. I really, even with the COVID, when I saw that, I was honestly like, okay, I might catch Xander at a 14 or 15 to one this week. Yeah, let's go. Um, But he just comes in at these low numbers. It just makes it so tough to bet on him when he just, um, you know, the track record the last year, he didn't get a win last year. Is that correct? Right. A bunch of seconds. He got in and and it's just, um, you know, you see the other guys at the top there, I feel like are a little bit more deserving of that 10 to one and under stature, but I don't know. I mean, the, the bookmakers are the smartest guys on the planet. So maybe they know something we don't. What do you think? Well, I did listen to our friends, Jeff Feinberg and Pat Mayo and Feinberg had the same sentiment. He was hoping to catch like an 18 or 20 on Xander. And when he opened the board, he saw what he saw and he got like, what would I do with Xander when I could do even Bryson right there or Rom? So it's tough to be this way all year again for Xander, or are they ever going to make that adjustment in um, bring him back down to earth, so to speak, in this range with Reed and Cantlay and Hideki, where I think he belongs. Right? In years past, we've seen it, Joe, where we've seen all of a sudden JT's at 24, and we're like, You're right. 
Right. And then we bat him then, and then he wins. And we've seen it, like, all of a sudden, they'll slip. Even DJ last year at one point was, like, flirting up there. I think uh, when he won at Travelers, was 30 to 1. 28, like, baby. That's our no gold number. never floats. Like, he yeah. doesn't get to that level for some reason. It's not like he's not producing. Like It's like the no-cut narrative, or is that people Maybe. have? Maybe. It's lazy, but I get it. Um, but, yeah, it, it is. Who knows? Okay, well, I didn't really dabble with anyone at the top of the board. You know, these are things to think about. If you're playing DraftKings, you could do that. You could listen to our DraftKings podcast. Eric Quagnus Martins and I, we have a podcast. It's Tuesday night this week, uh, tomorrow. And you can listen to us debate the DraftKings names and why and whatever. But for the betting board, that doesn't do enough for me. So go to the teens. Yep. Go to the Patrick Reed at 16 to 1 or Patrick Cantley at 16 to 1. Patrick or Patrick or Hideki at 16 to 1 or Webb. He wins. He does so, win. What, uh, what's up with these numbers? I I already went with Patrick with an R. Um, oh, I have a feeling you're there too. You're a big member of the fan club. Um, look, I just, he, he played really well to end the season. Love, love the, uh, the finish over there in Dubai was it where he was he didn't have a great Sunday but look he's was he 54 hole leader uh he was close and I think uh, that was what three four weeks ago so that's the most yeah. recent the most we recent we've seen like we usually lead into this with the hero is that right yep yep where we we see guys and those tend to be the guys honestly I mean not only are they the best players but those tend to be the guys that we see play well here at TOC because They've got a little bit of tournament experience under the belt within the last three to four weeks. Um, Patrick Reed has that. He's in great form, great short game, wide open fairways for him where he can just kind of blast it out there and wedge it and get creative around the greens. One thing that scared me a little bit was I saw that he gained a ridiculous amount of strokes game putting last year, but that's what he does, right? So exactly. I, I wouldn't put it past him to gain five, six strokes again this week and a little bit better ball striking. And I think he'll be right there. Under 20 to one, he presents the best value to me at this point. Okay. I agree. Okay. You know, people are on Cantlay. I could see that potentially at 16 to one and he has the win equity. He, you know, last year was the one that was on record saying that everybody was ready to get into the clubhouse because they're a bunch of pampered bucks. And so that's right. That's that was right. He was good to my tie. Yeah. Believe. He so. worries me a little bit off of a layover and I don't have any stats to back that up, but he just doesn't, he seems like a guy that sort of builds into form off of a couple of straight weeks on the tour versus a guy that just sort of pops right in and wins. And um, I think the wind is going to be not a factor this week. Like it was last week. And usually I like Patrick Cantlay a little bit more okay. in tougher conditions than birdie fest. Uh, before we leave this area, let me ask you about the narratives and the motivations and not having recent form or uh, stuff that we can really glean on. And mm -hmm. do you have like any, are you going with the guy that's motivated? Um, I have some takes about that. If we want to go further into the 20 to one range, because I'm just curious what you're going to use to your criteria this week for clicking. Okay, so my criteria is a little bit more than normal on course history. Okay. Um, I did a lot of trying to rethink some of my strategies from last year, and I try to do this at the Why? end of the year. You're successful. You're I know, but I'm, you're always tinkering, right? Okay. So, you're, so trying to get a little bit better. And I think, and you know what? Honestly, what it was too is I took the long road trip with family, and I listened to your um fantasy golf pod show where you kind of recapped all the different people 
Okay. And something struck me when it was during the uh, Jason Rouseland when mm-hmm. you spoke with him and he said something where people always want to harp on course history does not matter, but you talk to any professional golfer and they will totally tell you that course history does matter and they play better at certain courses than others now is he talking to every guy on tour i doubt it but i think there is some truth to that in just a common sense approach where anyone naturally you're going to show up to places where you have better vibes and are better setups for you and you will most likely perform better there than places where you don't have a lot of success so i'm gonna weigh that a little not i don't put a ton into it but a little bit more this year than normal and particularly a little bit more this week when there's not a lot of recent form and strokes Mm. gain approach stats over the last six rounds could be going back to september at this point october um so i'm gonna put that a little bit more into effect looking for guys who tend to be not the most accurate of drivers just because i think it's pretty wide open you hit it as far as you can and you wedge it in close um in in gut plays man just guys that want are out there looking for a win and want the fedex cup points and want to win what are let me hear your take on it i think you got something spicy for me well you know that kind of flies in the face of what my narratives will be for this week um i have heard now you got to have experience here you know course history matters you've seen it i got dj and jt and rom and xander throwing reed or whatever they've done awesome here and they're great bets and they're up there. You got guys in the 20s, though. You got Victor Hovland. You got Morikawa. They've not, they, you know, they don't have that greatest experience here. So do you shy away from a guy like that because of the course history thing and uh, new guys aren't good here? Or do you go with what I'm going to go with and you throw that out the window and you say, these guys, they don't, they've had what? the weirdest off season of their lives. They've also got no children. These young guys that haven't been here before. They don't have these swirling thoughts in their head. It doesn't really matter on a birdie fest. They just have to get hot for a few days. So does it really matter if they haven't seen it? I'm going to say no, especially this week when you've got these young guys that haven't had the responsibilities of opening the presents on Christmas morning and dealing with Santa and also the holidays and then the travel and then all the other crap. They're young Hovland at 20, Neiman, or, you know, Neiman's there, you got him and you got other names, uh, Scheffler's here. Mm-hmm. These are names that I'm going to go and look at because of the fact that they haven't been burdened with the holiday responsibilities that you and I have. I understand it. And um, both of us are going through teething young children <laughs> right now. Um, I'm, you know, this deep in moving and trying to pack and renovate a house. So, yeah, you're still uh, in the same garage, so you haven't closed on the house that you... No, we haven't closed just yet. Uh, it's coming, but... So if you didn't know, I'm a realtor. So what, you're in the pending period. You're like, what do you what do you pend in 45 days or so in Florida? Uh, January 20th, I think. So I got two weeks. So right now I'm just trying to line up all the work that my wife wants to do before we move into the house, which is a ever-growing list. Of course. Um, but it's fun stuff. But uh, also, so when will we see the new studio? It'll be uh, three weeks from now, I guess, right? Uh, maybe. So I'm going to be, there's going to be a little bit of, a, we're trying not to move in during like ripping up floors and all that stuff. So I'm going to be hopefully not too long with both places, but it'll be a little bit of a grace period. I don't know the exact date yet, but uh, it'll be a much different look. Okay. Got it. Now, do you have an, your own room in the house? I do. So that was a big thing is I got 
Schmidt oh. office slash man cave. So I'm w- working on some interior design ideas now in my nice. head of like how I'm going to like set up my TV and my desk and my podcast space and, you know, get the shit going. Right. I've never I, had yeah. a room like that. So I'm, I'm jealous. Uh, <sighs> cold out here. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, yes. To your narrative. I buying into that very much. Cool. Um, now that you said it and spoke it into existence, I can feel like I can jump aboard that train with these young guys. You know, I, God, I wish Matt Wolf was here, man. Yeah. I wish, how did he not get in? Like, right. or did he choose not to? I didn't even look that up, honestly. I don't know, but some of these guys, I mean, I know obviously a lot of these guys have wins, but the other guys, uh, I believe, was like top 30 in the FedEx Cup, right? Without yeah. a win, got invited. I thought he would have been in there, but my memory's not great. Oh, no, I don't think he made it to the final day. I don't know why. Yeah. Huh. You know, this COVID year it kind of screwed everyone's points up. So everyone who ate <laughs> points in the fall and you know, guy gets top five and two majors and he doesn't get into the thirty top thirty. It's like right? okay, these points are kind of stupid. Yeah. Regardless, let's go back to the betting board and you look at the twenty to one. And like I said, you got Victor Hovland at twenty or twenty five, wherever you're looking. We're looking at a generic book. We you know mm-hmm. whatever you can find different numbers at different places. But yeah. Finau is there at twenty five. You got Berger at twenty five and Morikawa at twenty five and English in the twenties at twenty eight. Do you have any interest, like I do, in the Hovland or the Morikawa? Because I found both uh, at 25. So I'm going to take both the young guys, and I'm not going to use Fina. I saw your tweet about Fina. Are you really going to think that it's – are we doing this every single week, or can't we just let Fina win and just then be happy for him? Like, do we have to do it? And then we're still paying 25 to 1 to do it? All right, Ugh. so I'm in an off, on-again, off-again relationship with Tony Fina, I figured. Yeah. Like, three years ago, it was – off Tony Finau he can't win two years ago I like poured all my money into Tony Finau thinking this is the year it comes he's gonna do it he's gonna come through and I'm gonna get a good number on him that never happened I lost all my money <laughs> last year was totally off Finau I bought into this self-narrative that he just didn't have the killer instinct to win this year I'm gonna flip back to on again Tony okay. Finau. Uh, I think it's gonna happen for him this year I think there's a level of he's at a level of consistency in his career. Look, the guy can only like finish like sixth in the FedEx Cup so many times and not win. And it seems like an ideal setup. Now, granted, I just bought into your narrative of like no kids and Finau has like seven little children running around for Christmas. Oh, yeah. I have seen him on Instagram. He has been playing golf. He was been out in Arizona with Johnny Manziel teeing it up. Um, Yeah. That was kind of weird. I was looking at Manzel was on Instagram and it was like him and Fina were playing together, but he's playing golf. Is Manzel good at golf? I think he's really good. What? Yeah, I think he's pretty cool. good. Well, he's an athlete. Anyways, he's practicing. He's out there with his son sort of grinding. Um, I heard like some interesting stuff about how the thing with Charlie Woods has like reinvigorated Tiger in his like quest and and how much work he's gonna put into this season. By, uh, ESPN caddy who's on the podcast with Sobel, but it, it kind of uh, turned a light on in regards to Tony Finau with me and his son's getting really into golf. I think he's at the point where his his kids are that age where it's like. I got to show them I can fucking do this. Dude, this is, I'd say this with Martins on the Fantasy <laughs> Golf Pod. You know what it is? They have their phone now, and they can look at Tony's Wikipedia page. And they're like, they're on Twitter. They're like, everyone, like, roast my How dad. Like- he never wins. 
<laughs> Dude, yeah, the 12-year-old in his life can be like, Dad, uh, it has all these yellow boxes, but no green boxes on your Wikipedia page here. A lot of top fives, Tony, but no wins. Where's that coming? Huh? Let's he go. Potted really well to end the season. And I think there was a putter change there. I think there's sure. some consistency in his clubs. There's a lot of guys this week with a new set of yeah. clubs in the bag. So. Should, we, uh, we, should we talk about that? Because I have a take I on that. Yeah, now, I'm okay with that, actually. In fact, I actually like it. And I've seen uh, somewhere along the line data to back up the fact that if they do change clubs or they do switch to a different club, it gives them the mental psyche that they're going to be better. And obviously, I should be better. So every time that someone does this, it makes better guy or you and me, DFS clicker guy, nervous. But really, in reality, it shouldn't. It should make them – it should be like, oh, a new toy, something that could be better. And then ultimately, hello, if they have a bad round, they just throw it out. And this is tournament. You have four rounds no matter what. So well, with some I'm not afraid of it. You can't just throw it out and go back. Like Rom, for instance, is now full well, Rom. on Callaway. But so he shot a 59, dude. You didn't see that. not team. like he can just go back to the P790s or whatever he had in the bag from TaylorMade before. Um, he's full on Maverick. He's full on Callaway Irons. So it's a little bit different, but you're right. We definitely, us DFS and gambling golf guys are always like looking too hard for an edge. And this may be very well one of those instances. We've seen guys before jump straight out with new clubs and win. Um, notably guys who switch to like some random brand, like when Rose went Hanma and when you see these guys go PXG, it's a little bit disconcerting. Um, but you know, notable brands, they're switching for a reason. It's not just the paycheck. It's because they see some results. Right. And all golf equipment's the same. Like, are we kidding ourselves here? It's all fine. It's the golfer. But on your, on to, to, I'm going to like kind of play the other side of the coin here. So if things start going wrong, mm-hmm. then you start, then the ideas start to can kind of creep into your head. Is this the equipment? Mm-hmm. And it, I, I all of a sudden shanked my four right. iron and I never did that with my old four iron. Is this because this happens to me? No, so, I know. I was going to say, I got a perfect example for myself. I bought new irons. I struggle with it one round and I'm like, should I go back to the old one? Like <laughs> I, I just spent $110 on this new uh, SM6. Like, Oh, I love people like you because the, I have a buddy like you. And then he sells me the driver that doesn't work yeah. for like half price. So the thing is, is like, I have done that. I've switched irons and I've been like, you know, in the first couple of rounds with the new irons and like, but you do say to your head, you're like, I need to power through because I, the, you know, the bar is going to be raised higher. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not something that you want to risk your dollars on, but at the same time, I'm not worried about it. Ultimately, I think it's almost a benefit more than it is a detriment. So if you're going to think of it as a detriment, don't think of it as a detriment. Think of it as a neutral, if anything. Now, 30 to one, you got three guys there, the younger group of guys, Neiman, 35, M for 35, and Cam Smith for 35. Did you pick any of these guys? Because you know I went all M on M at 33 or four or five or whatever it is. Yep, I uh, I actually bet, um, sorry, I bet Joaquin Neiman at nice. 40 earlier this morning. I, I wanted to bet Scotty Scheffler because I'm very bullish on a good season from Scheffler incoming. Yeah. He would be my guy that I see rising. Like we've seen these guys like vault themselves into a top 10 ranking and a couple of major wins. We saw it with Morikawa. We saw it with guys like Terrell Hatton. We saw it with Daniel Berger. Scotty Scheffler is that guy for me that's on my watch list, but 
you know, just eight points lower than Neiman. Neiman played really well here last year. I think he's equally as talented of player. Um, so I took him. At so 40. Neiman is actually the golden boy in my narrative example. He's been same with him. Didn't him? Him's been here. So then, do you care? I mean, maybe you go with these guys. You get a better number on them than the Hovlins and the Morikawa's. But again, Hovland and Morikawa, the talent is so good. Like they, those narratives, they don't apply to these people. So don't overthink the fact that like, oh, Neiman, you know, he's been here once, so I'll pick him over Hovland, who's better at probably overall. Again, you're picking hairs. This is the tournament of champions. These are the best golfers on planet Earth. So sure, go with the guy in the 40 or the 35 because you like him, not because of the number. And you can have Scheffler at 40. You can get Adam Scott or Answer or Champ in the 40s, 45. Scott, though, what are you going to do with Adam Scott? Because I've seen a little steam and a little love on Adam Scott's number. Have you? Yeah. I haven't paid much attention to the circlings today uh, and the whispers in terms of the community, I guess you could say, so to speak, on who they're liking. But the number seems wrong. Now, I haven't <laughs> bet it, but 50 to 1 just doesn't seem right. I mean, he's sitting there next to Cameron Champ, and this is Adam freaking Scott. Like one of the purest ball strikers we've seen. He's won major championships. He's an elite player when he's on. I think that with Adam Scott, you, if for some reason with him, you just are like, why is he here a little bit? Um, sure. But why is he anywhere? That's what the Cecil would say. Right. He wants a paycheck. And I don't know, maybe he wants to try out uh, this week get things under his belt and then he's going to Sony. I don't know where these schedules are. That's the problem. It's not the NFL. There is no injury report. There's no depth chart. There's no beat writer for every single team telling you about the guy who stubbed his toe in the locker room. There's nothing like that in the golf. You got no data, no information. So to be honest with you, the Adam Scott, when it looks weird, bet it. And that's when you go after something like that. So what are we doing this season, Joe? Are we going to do that? Because we kind of know more than Joe public. So I think, Maybe this is just the one where you just do th start throwing flyers, but then your card gets so big. So yeah, you kind of have to balance between can a guy actually win or is this more like, Hey, you like the 40 number. And then you go with the top five where you can get that for five to one or something. Maybe you're right. I mean, we're sitting here and we're talking about Scotty Scheffler and Abe answer and cam Smith and Cameron champ and Joaquin new Adam Scott's better than all of these guys and i don't think that's arguable he just won riviera like he wins big time events in extremely strong fields mm -hmm. so it, it seems right up his alley um i can see myself making that move this week what about long shots joe you got any now in a 48 man field it's hard to pick a long shot and pretend it's a long shot because they're all good there's but some big numbers on those guys at the bottom though i took one for good reason though right He's true, true. I, all right, I'll just tell you who it was. I took Lonto, 125 to 1. Lonto, 125. That's He could yeah, that's, definitely that's live. I'm staring at that as we speak. You so. know Munoz, too. Munoz is the guy that would look Tiger in the eye and be like, good luck today, and not be nervous at all. He, mm -hmm. Something about Sebastian Munoz, he's kind of a big game killer. He has that swag. Like, kind of under the radar too where then he doesn't have the same pressure as some of these other guys like Abe answer and they're like probably the same level of talent it's crazy so i like sebastian munoz he's kind of like he here's the thing about those guys they're all of a sudden on the pga tour in their prime 
of their right. career versus right. like we know wolf isn't at his prime yet or these guys are like reaching up to their prime but of course any day of the week they could be great but these right. guys like harris english too and that they're just peaking at the right time and that's why right. that's what happens and then they flame out in six months from now and you'll never hear from them again so you might oh. want to hit these guys now i think you look at guys like munoz and lanto for example and their ultimate ceiling of their career is not nearly as high as many of these guys. Most, I would say over half the field, like they're, they're not going to have a high ceiling as Scotty Scheffler or Matt Wolf, but to speak to your point, they are sort of hitting that peak and trending. And to me, those are the type of guys that you look for when they've had three, four, five weeks off and are saying to themselves, look, I'm in a two to three year period right now where I'm going to play the best golf of my life. And I'm never going to be winning tournaments when I'm 38 years old. Correct. This is my time. Cash Let me, in. Let's come down and visit me, coach. Like I'm going to spend eight hours on the range. I'm going to get my shit straight because I know I've got to capitalize on this two year period to set myself up for life. Yeah. It's a different mentality than a guy like even Cam Smith, for example, like he knows he's kind of young. He's going into it a little bit like a nonchalant because he's won the Sony last year. You know, they're not, that's not the same guy. And you can get him at 35. You get these other guys at 60 or whatever. So that might be a little bit of a sneaky way to pick up a weird win in a mm -hmm. field like this. Yeah. So I liked Billy Horschel at 66. That number looked off to me. He's like Billy Horschel at 66. Because he can win. I feel like he has the ability to win. And, and there's a little irritation from the public on him. Cause he is irritating. Like I can lie. It's parts of him that I don't like ultimately, but then, you know, he can catch a hot putter. He has the confidence. He has the swagger and he gets going. And at 66. I yeah. I have some, the only other guy that I haven't bet, but I have a little bit of interest in is Kevin. Nah, um, just because he can get so red scorching hot with the putter plays yeah, yeah. well on the West coast. I don't know if you can consider Hawaii in that, but it's a great wedge player. You don't have to be extremely long here because so many of the holes play so far downhill that if you're in the fairway, you can have a wedge into the green and he played really well in that team event that was like relatively oh, sure. recently, but he was just draining like yeah, that one day they shot like so he can do that um and that's not abnormal for him is where you see it with some other guys it just 125 to one on kevin nod there's only 42 guys playing in the whole event i could see myself putting five bucks on him i'm just nervous about the withdrawal factor from kevin nod because he'll do that sometimes to you i see what you're saying so but would he but he's had the rest like would he have even gone if he had the withdrawal going, I don't know, but he did the same thing last year. He was in prime condition and form, and then he withdrew from this because his family wanted to go hang out in Hawaii and go like zip lining or something. He did, he did, correct. Oh, so, you know, I like his ability when he's on, sure. So maybe if you see signs of life from Kevin now, you could pick up a 30 to one after round one and be okay with it, right? Yeah, but I'm not putting big bucks. 25 to one so to me i'd sure. rather just like put five ten dollars okay. on it and if sure. he withdraws whatever that's sure. a freaking beer uh, two beers at the bar like exactly you can i can live with losing that five dollars that's a lot of money that's exactly the most i put on patrick reed uh 18 to one so that's my preferred play of the weeks patrick reed probably yours too right we're in on it together buddy God, i love it okay Dude, we don't talk about this ahead of time. And we've also not been like, hey, you're on that guy. So I'm on this guy for whatever reason. No, if you like someone and I like someone, we just say it. And guess what? 
this season we have been successful betting together on people. It's yeah, been Wolf. Yeah. We almost got at a fucking huge number. Uh, we got DJ together. We've Rom. got Rom together. We've done a few. So let's do Patrick Reed together. Okay. Web. And if we you got web together, yeah, we've we've done well. Yeah. So fun. Now that's Anything the else to talk about. That's the end of the podcast of the Tournament of Champions. That would be like where, you know, we sign off and say, hey, thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. We'll see you next week. But at the same time, we've got some time here. It's been no guest this week. So I thought, why not talk about golf betting in general? Let's go. First okay. off, like some of the people that I, you know, for first, first off is that thank you for the people that have listened and watched this for the six months that we've been doing this so far it really does make a difference in our lives we think it's fun so we're happy that you're following and watching and liking and stuff and i've actually gotten some feedback from people who have been watching like where do we bet because i live in minnesota it's not legal here so where am i betting of course uh these shady websites (laughs) right joe or where are you betting because you got a local Yes. So there's different avenues that you could take. So one thing in general is sports betting is becoming like legalized everywhere, not currently in Florida or Minnesota, but it's coming down the pipeline. As of now, um, you've got to kind of creep around the back alleyway a little bit. So you can ask some people at your local place. Like that's where I would recommend a place where you play golf at if you have a club or something like that ask some people there. If not, um, there are websites that are considered offshore books and there are plenty of them. I would do some Googling on best offshore sports books and you can get some ratings and reviews. And What does offshore mean? It just isn't in the United States? It's not in the United States, yes. So therefore, therefore, are are you feeling secure in your deposit? I think if you are betting huge, then there are things to be worried about. If you're betting at a relatively minor level, I think that it's perfectly fine. Um, Which which you should be betting at a regular amount of, don't be betting really for real. So basically you're going to take your credit card and you're going to run it through one of these online books and it will come up and show up as it's like some crazy transaction (laughs) on your card. You may have to approve it, but it'll go through. Um, what I do is use Bitcoin. So if you lucky you, you Mr. Bitcoin, if you have a Coinbase account, then you can send it through there. And there are typically less fees or no fees involved in that. And you get it a little quicker into your account. And then when you win the same way, um, when you win, getting your money money out can be hairy. It's a lot more difficult to get your money out than it is to put your money. Very few of us have to worry about that problem, Joe, as far as you can either do two things. Um, what I recommend as well is just keeping some sort of Bitcoin account and transferring it in back into that, which is the fastest and easiest and least stressful way. The other way is you request a check which usually takes longer, two to four weeks. And that part, like with me in the past, has gotten weird because Hmm. it doesn't come directly from them and it's an Hmm. offshore account and you got to take it to your bank and they ask you a question about it. It's a giant check. They ask you a question and you're like, if they ask a second follow-up question, you just take the check back and you're like, (laughs) I've got to run. And then you (laughs) two hours later and try another teller. But um, okay. there are places to do it. Research it. Um, Google. No, it. don't do any of that, Joe. Fuck all that shit. Just text your buddy. Hey, I got 
five bucks on this guy this week. Do you want to do it too? Or whatever, you know, head to heads or whatever. You can do certain things because that's what you could do. You could diff- you don't have to do outrights. That's not the only way to bet on golf. There are other ways you could bet on head to heads who the vet, you know, someone in the world will put a guy against another guy and give odds on that. Friends at fansharesports.com, they're going to come up with a head-to-head. Oh, that might be spoiler alert. But, yeah, there's tools that you can look up and you can figure out where the, you know, advantages to you in a head-to-head matchup. And then you go to your buddy and you say, hey, you want DJ? I got JT. He bet five bucks. We've done this before on the show with Brooks and other people. So just do that head-to-head. Or you can do that on those offshore books. Yeah, what other ways? You could do three-ball bets. What was that? Well, the three balls are basically when they're in groupings of three. Hmm. Um, a lot of times they would be in that group going off the tee. So you were just betting it out right there. So typically the favorite will be minus a number, which means you have to lay a little extra juice. So for That's instance, cool. if Patrick Reed is minus 120, you've got to bet $120 to win 100 or $12 to win 10, vice versa. Hmm. If you see a plus in front of that number, like plus 150, then it's the other way around. So when you bet $100, you're going to win $150. Or when you bet 10, you're going to win 15. So the easiest way to think about it is in tens and hundreds. Um, But back to the head-to-heads, if you enjoy that, I find that head-to-head betting will help me, um, in my instance, offset a lot of the outright bets that I make. So a lot of times if you go three to one on your head to heads and you stake those a little bit higher than your outright bets, which are much longer odds, even if you lose and get wiped off the board with your outrights, you can somehow break about even um, for the week. And that's what you're really trying to do. You're just trying to float, right? You're trying to tread water until you hit that winner. And if you can hit a winner every four to six weeks, that will bring you way up and then it's tread, tread, tread and try not to lose it all until you hit that second winner. And you're eventually, your bottom line is you're hoping to get on a little bit of a run on a four to six week run uh, at some point during the season where it becomes profitable in the long term. Okay, two questions for you. Do you bet head to heads daily every single round? And then how many per day are you betting? I have done that before i'd be lying if i said i didn't but i like to bet full tournaments i feel like the head-to-head rounds are just much more variant and anything that can anything can happen but if you see something where you feel like you have a little bit of an edge um then and you like a reason you really feel strongly about it he's more likely to win that matchup over the course of four days than he is over the course of one if he truly is the better side the right side of the bet Um, The other thing with head-to-heads, and this is big, and we talk about it a lot, is shopping different outlets, but that can make a huge difference because a lot of times they are different in terms of the matchups that they offer, number one. So sometimes they won't always offer the same two guys together, and two, the odds. So laying minus 120 or minus 105 are going to be a big difference for you in the long term when you look at your year-end um, you know, tickets and what hit and what misses. If you can save 10 to 15 points in different spots throughout the year, it's hugely beneficial. Now I've done this before, uh, live betting, Joe, where during Sunday's round coming down the stretch, you don't know who's going to win. Everyone's at 16 under or whatever. There are people at different positions and this guy's got a par five coming up and this guy, you know, he's at this odds and this odds and you're kind of, it's like crack in terms of betting. 
do you ever do the live betting on a Sunday afternoon? It's fun. So I will do it for fun. I will say I haven't had much success with it. Um, I try to stay away from it just because like you said, it can be very addictive. And I feel like naturally live, you're giving away a few points here Mm -hmm. and there, like the books, you're going to catch a little bit, like as soon as a tournament starts, it's like driving a car off the lot. You're not going to quite get the same value for it. It's like, even in most NFL games, um, it can be before it starts when it's zero to zero, you'll get a certain line. As soon as it's seven to seven, all of a sudden you're going to end up paying. If you look at the live line, minus 115, minus 120. And they do that for a reason because they know people are engaged in it live and they can will pay that extra money. Sure. Um, but I think long term, the six, unless you see something, a significant edge or have some information that you think is valuable. I think it's best to just ride out your guys that you start the week with. You did all the research, you put in the work, you like them for a reason, put in your tickets, hold and see how things happen. What about the guy, the bets that you can make on if he'll have a birdie that hole? Is that insane? That's coming. And that's going to be, I think. Should you just bet par, you know, a minus 110 par every time? Because it's probably going to be a par, right? I think a lot of people, and that's sort of the future of what we're seeing in golf. And that's where the PGA Tour is taking it. Because um, while I love the four-day sweat, and a lot of people are attracted to golf betting because of that, because of the longevity of it, there are a lot of people that don't like that and they want instantaneous feedback and they want to bet $10 and they want to know 10 minutes later, if they won yeah, 20 those or people betting lost. the quarter on an NFL game or NBA game and they're halftime so betting all day. coming down the way. Uh, I know there are a lot of people sort of gearing their stat models and stuff like that toward that type of betting. Um, it's just not for me. I like sort of the long term, and I feel like, I want to feel like I have a better edge there. Okay. Okay. Before we get to the long-term thinking, how about one more thing? Prop bets. Now, will there be a hole in one? Will things happen? Or do you do any of that kind of thing? I don't. I don't, I don't get into it. Um, usually yeah. what you'll get is that stuff is so skewed as well. Like, for instance, there's like prop bets now on like, I was looking at this with my brother, like will Charlie Woods win the Masters by 2035? Yes is like plus 600. So you're telling me by the time he's what, 26 years old, he's going to be winning Masters is six to one. Like that's insane. I don't yeah. care how talented the kid is. That's so ridiculous. It happened to bet that six to one. But no, but if you bet no on that, which is clearly the right side, it's like minus 2,500. So they're just locking money up forever in this stupid bet. They're money up for 15 years, number one. Number two, they're usually so skewed in terms of the books managing their liability on a bet like that, that uh, it's not worth it. Okay. We know you like futures and I like to bet futures. Uh, we've got, I've gone to Vegas. I've put money on the Patriots and they won the Super Bowl. I put money on Duke one time. And then months later, they won the NCAA championship. Super Bowl. You got a, a future on the Cleveland Browns to win the Super oh, Bowl? Yeah. Oh, I have man. multiple futures on the Cleveland Browns. I've got 80 to one. I've got 60 to one and I've got 35 to one. Well, those are all just wastes of dollars, Joe. It's I could have hedge material. I'm okay. Not, maybe if they make it to the AFC championship. It's hedge city for me. Well, congratulations again on the Cleveland Browns making it to the playoffs. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a big deal. It's been a long time. I was a season ticket holder for many years. I actually, um, 
felt so terrible when I moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. I just could not you give up stop. my season tickets. I kept them and just <laughs> lost, flushed so much money because this is when they were terrible, like eight years ago. I couldn't even sell them. So I kept season tickets for a good three years just so I could go to one game a season and sit in my seats. Oh, my goodness. So I did that for the Timberwolves for a long time. I'm not going to, you know. I understand the Timberwolves made the playoffs a couple years ago. It was a big deal for us. We were happy about it. And then you're like, Oh God. So we're still bad though. But <laughs> Well, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I'm hoping things have turned around. Thanks, uh, thank you for uh, hooking us up with that offensive coordinator slash coach of the year that we stole from you guys. Yeah. Uh, I guess our owner was more worried about uh, our coach's girlfriend than his ability to <laughs> do anything. Right. But anyway, futures are fun, and especially in golf, because you can get a number now, or you can invest money now into the majors or the biggest tournaments, and it's locked in. You can mm-hmm. try to go for some, you know what I like to do? I like to put the money down now, because by the time the Masters or the PGA or whatever comes along, I don't have any money left to bet because I've spent <laughs> it all. So then it's fun. I'm like, oh, wait, I have this money that I put in August, uh, whatever, January for a tournament that's eight months away. Do you do this? How do you do this? Why do you do this? So I do do this. I have not been big into it yet this year, just because of all the chaos that's been. Whatever. It's all the trolls. Life. You're you're listening to the trolls telling you not no, to do I it. I don't listen to the trolls. I don't care about the trolls. They can hate me all they want for tying up my money. But I got some great numbers last year. I know a lot of people did too, which leads me to believe like maybe that has something to do with um, what I feel is not quite as much juice Hmm. on the squeeze this year um because the books had so much liability out there with like bryson 40 to 1 tickets at the u.s like big numbers um that they had to honor and cash eight nine months later so i think they're a little bit more tepid this season um but i love futures because if you can kind of forecast and that's what we try to do every week right we're forecasting and Uh, trying to pick who's going to win if you time things up right and can see a guy peaking um, sometimes you can get a great number and gives you an opportunity when that major comes around to then have two three sometimes four guys at double their value um, and steal a little bit of that money back from the books I like to think of it as um, because if they're offering them live at 10 to one and you have a 20 now, all of a sudden the seesaw has tilted a little bit in your favor and you're in an advantageous position, which is almost impossible to get in in sports betting. So how do you know when it's the time or who the guy is and when it's the time to pull the trigger? I mean, are you having to monitor this stuff? Are you feeling a guy out and like the third round or the, Waste management makes Phoenix open in February, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Well, this guy looks good in all the Masters or U.S. Open or something." How do you? When sure. do you? How do you? You are. Um, okay. That's exactly what you're doing, and a lot of it depends on the player and where they're at in their career. So, gotcha. the younger players, you're you're looking for the ascension, right? You're trying to get in at the bottom of the hill and ride it all the way up to the top. Um, Matt Wolf was a great example last year when. Um, I think at the U.S. Open, we had 100, 125 to 1 numbers, and he went off at around like something like that. So yeah. there are situations when you're trying to find that young player at the bottom of the hill. The opposite side of the coin there is with an older, a little bit more established player, when sometimes you're looking for struggle, in mm-hmm. a sense, um, to mm-hmm. create a little bit of value there. 
Um, so you see a guy who you know sets up well for the Masters and plays well there every year. Um, I can't think of any, just like a Sergio or a Justin Rose or a Paul Casey, that type of that sort of mold of a player. And you see them go through some of the normal struggles. Maybe there's an injury there or something like that where their number keeps dropping and dropping and dropping. And you can kind of feel like you're at the point where you can catch it at its lowest. Right. Uh, because it's a popularity contest. The better return as their form, you know, returns a little bit to the norm and what they should be, you know, that number sort of depletes and you can get in on it at a, at a great cost. All right. Last question. Do you have anything that is a mistake or that we should avoid doing with betting on futures? Is there something that's like, Oh, that's a that's just 101. You made a dumb decision. Don't do that. It's hard to say because it's a little bit different every week and it depends on the book. But if you're going to buy a guy directly off of a win and they've already made that adjustment and you lose it and you're going to think that they're going to win like two weeks later, mm-hmm. that's a tough time to buy because yeah. that number and the value has been totally depleted and you could have got it a week ago at double the number. So anytime that you see the trend dropping you might as well at that point wait to the week of the tournament and like wednesday or the night before and place it because you'll probably get the same number if not better what about a dj or a jt at eight or ten do you think that they'll drop to six or five or four and we should do the eight or ten now because i really think they're gonna win and oh my gosh ten or eight what if it goes to four? Oh, joe should we do it now it's so hard man you can't you just can't um it could dj go to five to one to win the masters yes but are you gonna kill yourself over the two points he's seven i'm looking at the odds right now he's seven to one so it's not going to be that big of a deal, but more often than D okay. So how much higher can DJ go? Just won the FedEx cup. He just won the masters. He just won. Like I saw some things on Instagram. He won like who, what he made like seven grand a shot or something this season or something insane. Like how much better do you really expect him to get on the, on the flip side? We see guys that fall off drastically. We saw it happen to my guy, Brooks, um, we just see that more often than we see the super elite guy in great form, take it to generational form. Okay. So then do we have any idea? I mean, I've got a couple bets on the masters in the futures and you can look at my Patreon, Joe, it's free on my Patreon page, my future bets, all the money that I actually have out there today, right now on my Patreon page, Chad Eckert, Patreon, go find us one guy before we send the people to go see it. Okay. So if you're going to bet on the masters right now, today, you've got two guys. Now I don't know what the numbers are today, but I put money on a guy named Brooks Kepka at 14 to one. Okay. 14. What do you think in April? He's gets to 12, 10. 10? I don't know. 14, probably same difference, but I'm just investing now. The name that I'm going to invest in that's a longer shot that, of course, could drop and maybe even drastically f- cut in half is Paul Casey today, 80 to 1. Okay. That's a master's bet that I could make today. That has dropped, thinking- by the way. It's 66. Oh, nice. So I made these a couple weeks ago when I was bored during holiday season or whatever. But yes, okay, you could do that. Now, a uh, super long shot when it comes to opening up the book on you know april 5th 3rd or whatever ian poulter at 150 to 1 for the masters yep i mean he's due to get a major he has experience at the masters 150 to 1 he was in contention two years ago and he was around and about last year or this year november Mm -hmm. so i don't know 
I thought that stood out to me as a little off. Ian Poulter, 150 to one. So I'll spill the beans on, a, on the only two bets that I made, and they are for the Open Championship, which I'm very excited for this year. Okay. Um, the first one is I, I tailed our guy, and I believe the first ever guest we had on the Preferred Lines, Ben Coley. Okay. So Ben tweeted out uh, Danny Willett, 150 to one. I'm a huge Willett guy, a big fan. Um, he won the amateur championship on that particular course. Okay. Has another great finish there as well in the limited times they've played it. Um, I felt like he started to return to a little bit of form in the second half of 2020. And he's a great player. So we've seen what happened to Danny happen to a number of guys where they have a fall off after the masters. We saw it happen to Sergio. We saw it happen to notably. Will. we even saw it happen to Patrick Reed where he kind of lost it for a minute. And um, well, Molinari, if he, he could have, should have yeah. won. So if he kind of returns to um, this guy at one point was the number one ranked amateur player in the world. So if the talent level is there. Um, it's back. It's in England. So it's kind of a home game for him just a lot of narrative sort of lined up. And the other one is going to make no sense to anybody, but I bet him this past year at the open championship, which got delayed. So it's obviously at the same place uh, at a hundred to one. And now he's 125 to one a year later because that bet was refunded. So I went ahead and threw that money right back <laughs> on Philip Mickelson. <laughs> I saw your tweeting about this. Like I think another guy, a lefty. I think he's got one more run left in him. And I want to believe that. And that if Tiger can do it, and we've seen um, old guys, particularly at this course and in general, play the open well and have kind of a last hurrah, I think oh. he can do it, man. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the, truly, there. like, it's not out of the realm of possibility. We've seen open champions, like you said. We've seen Darren Clark win a freaking open. Okay. Yeah. So, Phil, for instance, at 125 to one, Phil goes out and wins one event this season. I'd be shocked. Pebble Beach Pro-Am, let's just say. He wins the Pebble Beach Pro-Am again, which he did, what, two years ago? Yeah. Versus or Paul waste Casey. management or something. I can like see that. just fine. That number drops in half. No, I know. And the same with the Willet number. Like, yeah, I can see the Willet number dropping, of course. That's kind of what you do is you kind of play the number in a way, too, where you're like, oh, I'll invest now. It's like stocks where you're like investing now, knowing that the number will change later. And then I picked up some sh equity on that share. Well, on this weird like market right now. Um, obviously with the coffee and with the searching for bombs and becoming a social media guy, but I really do think, um, he's maybe one of the five or six best golfers of all time. So okay. I think that he has it within him. He's obviously got a world-class short game. Well, he's not, dude, he's not going to win them open. You know why? Why? Cause Patrick Reed's going to win the open. Why? How is Patrick Reed any more likely? Cause he's the European ambassador of golf or whatever okay. he is 40 to one patrick reed that's a ridiculous number for the open i've got money on that of course and then he's a good euro player he is a good around the green player he loves to do things with the ball and shape it and do things i don't know i'm on patrick reed for the open the open championship is a good one to look at when you're looking at futures because guys numbers particularly american players tend to be inflated off normal for instance i'm just going to rattle a couple off bryson's 16 to 1 jt's 18 to 1 uh, Xander's 22 to one. Those are numbers you look at the field in any other major championship and they're significantly lower. So there's something to that. Um, and, and you want to just find a guy like that, you know, is a good player that had a bad run in 2020. Like those are the type of things that I look to isolate. 
Um, for instance, like you're seeing 150s out there on different majors for Gary Woodland. Mm-hmm. Now, 2019, Gary had a great year. He obviously won the U.S. Open. He was on the President's Cup team. Yeah, President's Cup team that year. Um, he was basically a shoe in for the Ryder Cup this coming season. He's playing great, dealt with an injury, fell off form, dropped way down. Now he's in the 150s up there with Ian Poulter, Siwoo Kim, Kevin Kisner, Matt Walt. Like he's a better player than that. So I can see if Gary can get it back together. Like those are the type of things that I look okay. for um, when looking for a future. Fair enough. Um, I think we've talked enough about betting in general. So that's the conclusion of today's podcast uh you you know thank you for watching and like and subscribe download the jock market app jkt mkt or what jock J- mkt yeah jock mkt so yeah go find store. that um now on the google android what do they call it that system now oh, if you don't have an iphone um, it's it. coming like if you went in there and you're like oh it's not here in new york right now like i've talked to the guys there it is coming soon like potentially in the next couple weeks you're gonna see new york canada is like right around the corner hopefully by the end of january it's going to be available in canada so um it's there like it's coming use our promo code support them support us thank you like subscribe give us a review we're back baby appreciate you guys Go Browns. Sunday night football, baby. What's the spread? Three and a half. Oh, what? Yeah. Is Mason Rudolph playing? Oh, no. Oh, my God. Mason Rudolph had a number. I might have to lay the lumber on the Steelers, bro. I'll take that bet. I'll take a bet. No Are G- your DMs open? Everybody DM Joe if you want to bet on the day minus 110. I'm, DMs are open. Send me your, <laughs> send me your money. All right, boys. Thanks for watching. Good luck this week. Let's win a hashtag mega profit. See you soon.